Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today, we are embarking on our journey into the prequels. We've been talking about this for a long time, that we wanted to rewatch the prequels for this. Um, yeah, I think we've both found a lot of comfort in the prequels lately. Um, we've talked about how we, we've been feeling that we love Star Wars, but Star Wars doesn't love us sometimes, and... Um, but I don't know, the prequels just, they they have a special place. <laughs> they they can't hurt us. Yeah, like it's true. Like, like <sighs> It's just, like, even though they do end, like, tragically, like, they also end, like, on a hopeful note, like, because mm-hmm. you're going into a new hope. Mm-hmm. And just, like, I don't know, I feel like every time we revisit the prequels or we see something about the prequels, we're just, like, so about it. Like, I think yeah. they've aged really well. They have. They've just aged controversial. really, really great. Um, I mean, like, they made so many technical advances on the films. Not only that, like, all the kids that grew up around it are now adults and, like, are are just, like, enthusiastically, like, embracing them. And it's great. And I think Ewan McGregor was talking about that, like, last week. About yeah. how he's, he, he's like, oh, there's this, this whole fan base for the prequels and it's getting so much appreciation lately. And I like yeah. that. I, I'm, I'm happy that he knows that. <laughs> I just, I love that. Because he, he even said, like, you know, the the original generation, like, didn't like the prequels, but it mm-hmm. it brought in all these new people. Yeah. And, like, it, it's like it was for them. And I love when people in Star Wars understand this. More reasons to stand this man. Yeah. Although he's not quite as daddy in the movie we're going to be talking about today <laughs> um, but still serving some looks but uh before we get into that um just a couple of things if you want to support the show we do have a coffee account we also have our shop and as always we have our pride designs up there and all of the profits from those pride designs do get donated to black lgbt communities And then you can also send us your Star Wars story. We haven't had a story in a while, which is understandable with just the state of fandom right now. But if you want to send us your story, we really want to hear it. And feel free to talk about whatever you want. If you want to talk about how you got into fandom or how you're feeling right now. Or if you want to wax poetic about the Phantom Menace like we're going to do today, you can do that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So we do also have some recommendations as well. Um, the first one is Legend Born by Tracy Dion. And she is actually writing in the Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. from a certain point of view. And this yeah. was her debut. I don't know if it was her debut writing in general or if it was her YA fantasy debut. I I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure might need to double check that but this is like a debut novel for her i i haven't read it yet but i'm excited i'm going to i have it I ha- i'm on the wait list at the library i overall i really liked it i think she is doing something really special because this book is based off of like her experience losing her mom and like a lot of people in her life and like that rage that like fills you up and her main character, Brie, is very messy. She's very angry. She tries to keep everything all bottled up. And I loved all of that. I do think it does a lot of things. Um, there's some Ar- Arthurian legend stuff as well, which yeah. ultimately 
I liked how she tied it in, mm-hmm. but as the book was going, it felt like two books. Yeah, and the Arthur stuff is, like, super hot right now. Like, <laughs> like it's really yeah. in, like, culture. So I'm really, I mean, really interested. <laughs> Her take on Arthurian legend is very unique as mm-hmm. well. Like, it, it, it wasn't any it wasn't like anything i've ever seen yeah. with like the arthur legends like it, it's not like merlin it's not like cursed well, it's not like you know camelot it's, it's betrayal the kids right so is it kind of like saying like it's like percy jackson-esque a yeah. little bit it has a lot to do with bloodlines mm-hmm. um so it's like this preserved bloodline and these family histories and the way it kind of ties in with Brie is that she, you know, is a black woman in North Carolina. Um, she's going to a school that was built by slaves and is still around people who would enslave her if they could. Um, she gets inducted kind of into this secret society with these Arthur people with this. They have these huge long backstories and like this, you know, these long family histories and they're all whites and they all look at her and they're like, why are you here? So it's kind of like Brie finding her place in that and then also discovering her legacy, Um, which is why I say it's kind of like different books, because the stuff about Brie and how her side of the story works, I really, really liked. And then when it would switch to the Arthur stuff, like it was still good, but it was more of like your typical YA romp. You know, like there were, there were like, you know, duels and dances and like all that kind of stuff, which is Duels fine. and dances? You love yeah. that. I know, I know. But like her stuff with like, she tries to find out like who her mom was and who her ancestors were and like this rage that's inside of her was just like really cool. Um, but it all, it all ties together at the end. So I am excited to see where it's going to go. I'm also really excited for you to read it because Alex, Nick is a baby and I want to talk to you about something that happens at the end, but I can't okay. because it's a well, spoiler. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm on the wait list for the physical book at the library because there is no ebook yet in Libby. Um, and I do need to read Thrawn Ascendancy. <laughs> yes, you had that on here. And I'm like, Don't like look Alex, at me. you haven't read it yet. Don't look at me. <laughs> Listeners, if you remember back with me to the last episode, (laughs) Alex talked about how she was next in line. She was so excited to read it. Okay. Here we are. (laughs) I've read one page. (laughs) (laughs) I I got off the wait list the day before The Devil of the Time came out. So that's the problem here. And that has ruined you. Yes. (laughs) Yes, so she will read Thrawn Ascendancy. We will talk about it a little bit more when that happens. But um, Devil All the Time did derail things quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what is this movie, Alex? Wait, what? Like, I don't have anything to say about it. You don't have anything to say about The Devil All the Time? You put it in the wrecks. (laughs) No? Um, I don't think I wreck it. You don't wreck it? (laughs) Well, because no one likes it except for us. Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, Tom Holland is in it, and this is, like, one of the best Tom Holland looks um, we've ever encountered. Um, okay. I I unironically like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know that people <laughs> don't like it or, like, oh, you only like it because Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson are in it, which, like, yes, that, like, adds to it. But yeah. I do think it's an interesting movie. I think it's, like, an interesting story. Is it perfect? No. no. Does it have problems? Yeah. So many. 
it's very messy but it's funny like it's mm-hmm. i don't know i i watched it twice and like the second yeah. time was like so much fun well i mean like if you are thinking about watching it just be aware it is very triggering there are a lot of things going on in that movie that you would probably want warnings on um but yeah i mean you've watched it twice i did watch it twice. <laughs> yeah see the funny thing is is like we've seen people not liking it like on twitter and then like also like her dad watched it and my mom watched it and they were both just like why <laughs> <laughs> but like it's i don't know like i say give it a shot be aware of the twi- the trigger warnings um i will say i will go ahead and spoil this one thing because i know it was a deal breaker for your boyfriend no there no, no. Is... he kept watching he did keep watching he didn't finish the movie yet though Oh, okay. Well, a dog does die pretty early on. Um, They don't show it. And, like, I knew just because of the nature of the movie, like, it's it's about serial killers and, like, all this kind of stuff. Like, the second that dog was introduced, I'm like, oh, yeah, that dog's going to die. So just be aware of that. (laughs) Um, And, yes, lots of people die. These people are horrible. They do horrible things. But I also would love Tom Holland to kick a door into my face. Yes. But... A complete 180 from The Devil at the Time. We also have Enola Holmes. Yeah. People are, like, all over this. I thought it was just okay. <laughs> I, like, like I said to you when, when I watched it, I was like, it was a really good family film. Yeah. Like, really, really fun to watch, like, with the whole family. Like, it was appropriate for, like, all ages, basically. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I liked it, but I don't think I liked it as much as a lot of people did. Yeah, people are really obsessing over it, and, like, I just, I feel like we've seen this before, like, Mm -hmm. I I think I would have liked it if she wasn't, so this is a story about, like, Sherlock Holmes's, like, little sister. Yeah. I think I would have liked it more if she was just, like, a female Sherlock Holmes, or if it didn't have anything to do with him at all. Yeah. But then you wouldn't have seen Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes. Right, and I, I want to see Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes because that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> um, I just felt like a lot of her smarts were kind of attributed to, like, being his sister, which just kind of grated at me a little bit. And, like, it's the same type of feminism light that you see all the time. Um, I would yeah. recommend... Similar to this would be the Etiquette and Espionage book series, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoyed. It's really fun. I was going to say I do appreciate that they're not – they didn't pull the she doesn't need a man thing that's been They making. did give her a boy, yeah, which was great. Yeah, making its rounds around the internet a lot lately with the new Cinderella coming out and then like with the new Mulan movie where they just kind of take the love interest out. Um, so, like, I do appreciate that they did that. (laughs) I like that they did it in a way where it was kind of, like, if you wanted it to be your headcanon that, like, they're not romantic, like, you could, Mm -hmm. but, like, it's pretty clear that, like, that's where it's going, and I hope that, so, (laughs) the director wants to do five sequels. I think that's a little excessive. It's very Cameron. (laughs) Yeah, I, I do hope that, like, that's something that gets explored, because to me... The problem with these characters is that they don't explore the feminine. And, like, you don't have to have, like, romance in your stories. Like, I I am, like, an asexual, aromantic person. But, like, I do believe that, like, you're gonna 
have to face it at some point. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would like to see her kind of, you know, expand emotionally kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And both of those movies are on Netflix, so go check them out. <laughs> yeah. So for news, um, the big thing happened um, right when we released an episode. Um, we did get the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. Mm-hmm. And this came on the heels of um, Gina Carano and her huge just... Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if she's continuing because since then I have blocked her. So I yeah, don't know I've if blocked. she's continued yeah. to tweet at people and just tweet in general. But um, it really came soon after that. And... Um, which really, like, I, I, I felt weird about enjoying the trailer. Um, she wasn't It was in kind it. of like when they dropped that, um, like, poster or, like, that thumbnail image mm-hmm. on the heels of, like, the John Boyega yeah. interview. Yes. Yeah. Did they drop the Mandalorian during something or was it just random? I think it just, it like, came out in the morning. Like, yeah. I remember people were speculating because all of a sudden they added, like, all these private videos. Yeah, yeah. And so they're like, oh, it's coming. Because I was going to say it, WandaVision dropped, but that was definitely during, like, the Emmys or something. Yeah. Which also, WandaVision looks really cool. Yeah. I'm excited for that. As far as this trailer goes, I did rewatch it because I actually only watched it once because I was, you know, all that Gina stuff was happening. And so I wasn't, like... I was excited, but, like, you know, that did kind of, like, shade Mm -hmm. things. And I think that this season looks really cool. I'm still really excited for the story that is being told here. And a lot of people have been speculating that maybe Gina's part is either significantly reduced or she has already been killed off or, like, pushed aside, and maybe that's why she's blowing up. Um, Because she is in this trailer, but it's very short She's with Grief Cargo, which is where we left her. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, barely there. Like, you blink and you miss her, basically. I missed her. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see her the first time. The other bit of drama that has been circling with the Mandalorian trailer is this one figure in a hood, very mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are speculating that it's Sabine. Which, it's not. I don't think so. No. I think she is somebody, I don't know who she is, I mm-hmm. don't think she's somebody that we've seen before. Yeah. I also think that she's probably some kind of force user. Well, Star, I was going to say Star Wars Explained, I think I saw them tweet that they think she's some sort of acolyte, which would That make would make sense. sense. Yeah. I, I think it'll be really interesting to explore the force in this way, because we know that Mando, he's actually being charged to take baby yoda back to the jedi which right now is just luke and from it looks like on the trailer they're gonna go to ilum which is a lot of jedi lore Mm -hmm. and i would love to see mando kind of fall in and see these different like cults of like just different cults surrounding the force whether it's like about the sith or like the light side or anything like i think it'll be really interesting to see the force and the mystical side Mm -hmm. from this outsider perspective it'll be interesting him trying to follow trying to find like clues to where he's gonna find the jedi and that kind of reminds me of force collector <laughs> like, it'll I, be better I, than that. Like, here's the thing. Like, yeah, did did I like Force Collector? No, it's one of my least favorite canon novels. But 
it's interesting to see him kind of piecing together clues, finding himself on Batu, finding him himself like all these different places, running into different people that have um, different relationships to the Force that I mm-hmm. think we could see in the Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if we're gonna get uh, tie-ins to High Republic. Just, Mm -hmm. like, small things. I, you know, with Dave Filoni, I feel like it would just kind of be, like, a little something, like, here and there. Especially if he's going back with, like, the history. So, I'm, I'm still excited. I'm, I'm still really interested to see where this is gonna go. Yeah. The Ilum stuff, really, it it got me excited. (laughs) It just, it brought me back to Fallen Order, and I love Fallen Order. Order. That, that scene, though, from the game. I cried. Like. It was probably the best scene of the game. Yeah. Oh, so good. So that'll be starting at the end of October. We will be covering it on the show, and as we said last time, like, we totally understand if you are not here for that after the Gina stuff that has gone on. Um, we're still invested in the show. We still want to support, um, the other actors in it. Um, hopefully she will be transitioned out. We still don't know, but we totally understand if it's not for you anymore. So we also got the new Vader comic, which that issue was so good. (laughs) So good. So good. We talk about this every time, but uh, if you're not reading the Vader comic, go read the Vader comic. Um, And then the last little bit of news is that there is going to be a Project Luminous panel at New York City Comic Con on October 9th. It'll be at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah, it, it's going to be really cool, I think. I'm, I'm excited. Um, hopefully, they'll show more art or they'll talk about their stories a little bit more in depth. Um, I'm wondering if any of those books are going to end up on NetGalley soon. Ooh, maybe. Yeah. I guess it'll depend on how tight they keep it. Like, mm-hmm. if they want to try to, like keep things from being spoiled or not i don't know it's all still very mysterious so i think with that we are ready to move into our main topic and that is the phantom menace this is largely um either your absolute hated worst movie or tolerable or sometimes people really genuinely enjoy it yeah what are you what are you talking about like that like we weren't at the phantom menace panel at celebration but that crowd was living yes because see like here's the thing i remember getting into star wars and like everybody talking about like the fan the phantom menace is horrible like we all agree the phantom Mm -hmm. menace is horrible like i even saw like watch orders that were like just omit the phantom menace you don't need it at all like kind of thing and i will say like my first experience with the film was that it is a lot there's a lot happening it is very long, mm-hmm. and the first time I watched it, it, it was kind of a struggle, yeah. but what I've discovered with The Phantom Menace is that it really rewards rewatching. Yeah, it does. I, I do think, though, that a lot of the fandom, especially, like, the older men, like the, I guess, like, you would say, like, the original trilogy fans tend to like The Phantom Menace sometimes better than Attack of the Clones, because a lot of them just, like... Or, like, this is just, like, a romantic movie. Like, I couldn't care less. Yeah, that is kind of funny. I feel Mm -hmm. like in the past few years, the 
perception of like the wider fandom is that Attack of the Clones is the worst. Yeah. Which is just like the prequels are so good. What what was your first experience with this film? I saw the Phantom Menace in theaters when it came out. I have an awful memory. I remember um, loving Jar Jar Binks and I had a t-shirt with Jar Jar on it that I wore like every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I remember loving it. Like absolutely loving it when it came out. That's another thing too. I remember all of the hate around Jar Jar Binks and like, Honestly, over mm-hmm. the past, like, year or so of, like, having more, like, Ahmed Best and, like, seeing him doing the Jedi Temple Challenge, like, yeah. going back and watching him as Jar Jar is, like, it brought me so much joy. Yeah. Like, it just made me so mm-hmm. happy. Though, I, 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 I was five when the movie came out, so I was definitely, like, demographic for loving Jar Jar at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, Yeah. And, like, sure, there are some random jokes in it that are weird here and there, but, like, overall, I kind of feel like The Phantom Menace, like, it it had a tall order, you know? Like, it was the first one since the originals came out. There, it's, like, a completely new era. It's setting up so many things. It's, there's, like, a lot of politics. He's really trying Mm -hmm. to, like, tell you where you're at, but then you also have to, like, keep the audience's attention and, like, all this. And, like, knowing this, like, huge tall order, like, I honestly think Phantom Menace pulled it off pretty well. Yeah. Though I, I do remember thinking in this rewatch, trying to think from the perspective of someone who was an original trilogy fan, going to the theater, like, opening night to see, see this and have these expectations and then get the Phantom Menace, which is, like, so different. <laughs> like it is just so different that I tried to put myself in those shoes and I'm like I could see why on upon first viewing it being like what is this yeah but like it, you it said it rewards rewatch like it really yes. does I, I kind of think like all of Star Wars in general really rewards like the more you discover about it like sometimes like the more fun you're gonna have which isn't Mm -hmm. to say like deep cuts or easter eggs or like anything like that it's Mm -hmm. more just like when you know certain things you can kind of be like oh like that's what they mean by this thing or like whatever and it it makes the world feel more like three-dimensional I guess like I I like that now that especially after like Master and Apprentice and Queen's Shadow which we'll probably talk about more like the beginning of this movie like learning about the Trade Federation and like the why there's a blockade and like knowing that Palpatine is like doing all these things like it almost just like adds this other layer of experience onto it which I think is really cool mm-hmm. so we talked about like how different this movie is and like I don't know what expectation like I don't know what people like would have been expecting but I'm sure they weren't expecting like baby nine-year-old Anakin no it's um it was it was a really i think um purposeful thing that george did with making him so young and making him like really attached to his mom mm-hmm. <laughs> and i mean we talk we talk about how the original sin was separating shmi and anakin even though <laughs> jj <laughs> and chris Terrio don't think that was the original sin <laughs> oh god <laughs> 
Oh, gosh. It is interesting because, like, with how they've done the Jedi, like, you probably couldn't start Anakin's journey any other way because if he was younger, the Jedi would have taken him and it would have been fine. And if he was older, like, I don't think he would have that pure kind of connection. Like, because we're going to talk about this Mm -hmm. later, but he has a very pure outlook, I feel like. And starting him here and then seeing, like, what happens to him later, like, you really do kind of see his, I guess, like, his journey, like, his coming of age and kind of how, like, the world fails him, which is kind of the point of his redemption. So this movie starts off um, trading disputes galore, lots of politics. Um, There's a blockade around Naboo, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan sent to negotiate. Negotiations go horribly. Now, we both do not like Qui-Gon Jinn. (laughs) Let's get that out of the way. um, Yeah, I, I did tend to tolerate him more in Master and Apprentice, though. Yes, I, reading that book, and this is the thing, I still get comments on my video from when I read that book saying, like, oh, I stopped listening when you said you don't like Qui-Gon Jinn, and I'm like, but the whole point is, like, that movie made me respect it, or that that book made me respect him, but it's still hard to watch him. Like, what's with all the Qui-Gon Jinn love? I don't understand it. Apparently, (laughs) it's because he's not like other Jedi. Oh, it's not (laughs) true. It is. It is though. Every every person who comes into my comments, they're oh like, "Oh, he's he's different from other Jedi. He's not part of the council." And blah blah. And I'm like, "Okay, so he's not the, like other girls." Okay. Yeah, like the not like other girls trope is so tired. <laughs> oh my god. It's just. Oh my gosh. Um, but Master and Apprentice does do a lot for his character. Um, mm-hmm. if you haven't read it, highly recommend it. It's one of our favorite books that came out um he he is not like other jedi <laughs> um but at the same time he is but he says something at the beginning where he tells obi-wan to stay in the moment and to focus on the living force and it kind of gave me this thought that so the living force is like the present like the here and now and mm-hmm. the cosmic force would be the future which would get into, like, the prophecies and the chosen one and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of make me wonder, because, like, they do talk about, the pro- like, the chosen one prophecy a little bit. And Master and Apprentice has a lot of prophecy talk in it as well. And I don't, I don't know, like, it just, there's something nagging at me. Like, there's, so- I feel like there's something to be said about, like, you know, looking into the future or, like, living in the future and not in the present being like so ruled by the cosmic force whereas like when you're just settled in the here and now like you kind of see things as they are like the force affects Mm -hmm. you differently i'm not sure like there's something well it's like like look at like anakin where he becomes like haunted by his visions Mm -hmm. um but i i think that there there's there's something that they should have learned from those visions is that like you know like they 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 do come to pass and um there's kind of a healthy balance between the two, the two ways that Mm -hmm. needed to be found. Yeah. Like this is already like kind of demonstrating, I feel like the, the fact that there is this like unbalance happening in the Jedi maybe. Yeah. Cause I know like Mace Windu has that Shatterpoint 
power. So, like, he can see, like, the way, like, things are going to verge, like, around people or or something. I'm not quite sure how that works. Yeah. And then, like, Yoda talks about, you know, like, things are clouded around the dark side and, like, it's hard to see and blah, blah, blah. So, like, I wonder if, again, like, this is their, their fear of the dark side or their fear of, like, something else happening. So they're just they've closed themselves off to this side of things which is interesting like I, the whole time i'm watching this i'm like oh the the fall of the jedi has already begun <laughs> it, it, it has but we even see it in master and apprentice 10 years before this yeah we see yeah. the the jedi falling and and i bet you we're going to read the high republic books and we're going to see it coming oh 100% like these like i, I think it's so funny that like the Jedi are very powerful and, like, all that right now, but they are so controlled by their fear and, like, their entitlement and, like, this power that they have amassed, and yet they're, like, almost blind to it. But knowing all of this and then kind of seeing Anakin being inducted into this, like, at this age, like, it makes sense why his worldview gets kind of skewed, you know? Mm-hmm. So, also another thing early on in this movie, um, do you remember when Palpatine was smart? Yeah. What is it with Tross and writing every single character out of character? I don't know. Even Palpatine. And here's the thing. We know that Disney era has written good Palpatine, like, written in character Palpatine, because look at him in Rebels. Look at mm. him with Ezra and Rebels. Like, that is, like, in character Palpatine. He's being smart, trying to get his way into the world between worlds with Ezra and all that. Like, manipulating his way in by showing him his family. And, mm-hmm. like, so we know, like, what what happened? <laughs> it's really fascinating. Because, like, watching this movie and, yeah. like, also knowing the stuff that we get in, like, Queen's Peril, like, I still don't think Queen's Peril needs to exist, but you do get a little bit of, like, the Palpatine inside in there. Like, he has a plan, and, like, he is, like, long-gaming everything, but he also is willing to, like, take opportunities as they come to him. Yeah. He's he's super prepared to turn on a dime. Like, he is, like, he's, like, okay, this is my plan, but if I find, like, like, a hatch, like, I'm going to go another way, and I'm going to be prepared to switch like that. Just, like... He, he's manipulating everyone. He, like, he just, he's playing this, like, huge game of chess. Like, like people talk about the prequels about how he's playing chess against himself, basically. So he's going to mm-hmm. win either way. Exactly. Because he is both sides. Yeah. Like, he is both yes. sides of this war. And I think it's really interesting, like, at the beginning of this movie, like, he is playing the you know like the Sidious side and he's trying to take control of Naboo in this way and when Padme goes a different way he's like oh okay well then let's try it from this angle Mm -hmm. and then he becomes you know chancellor of the senate so like he's really willing to kind of like roll with the punches and see how things play out yeah Palpatine at the like this is near the end of the movie but like the Naboo celebration is just (laughs) puffy clothes like he's like (laughs) he's like grandpa Palps um, he just, oh my gosh. 
I had forgotten too that this was the movie with the meme where it's like a surprise to be sure, but a welcome, a welcome one. one. <laughs> I feel like that is Palpatine though, where he's just like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, but let's just let's roll with it. You know, yeah. I'm feeling kind of kind of spicy. <laughs> <laughs> so skipping ahead a little bit, um, we get to the meeting with Jar Jar, and. Something that, like, really struck me was just how dismissive Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are of Jar Jar. So dismissive. So dismissive. Like, to the point where I was like, this is, like, just because, like, the gun guns are, like, a different type of society, they're, like, Mm -hmm. they're just putting him down. Like, it's so, it felt so entitled to me. They're like, oh, you don't live the way we do. You're not the same. Here's the thing. It, like, Jar Jar is a silly character that, like, was made, like, for kids. Like, yeah, but he's an awesome character. But, like, I almost, I almost feel like some of the fanboys kind of self-insert themselves into Qui-Gon. So they're like, well, I'm going to hate <laughs> on Jar Jar, too. Maybe. Because, you know, like, Padme doesn't no. like she she sees jar jar and like she does she kind of like laughs too as well but like in like a more good-natured way and then she also sees him for the opportunity that he is in that like oh if we can get the gun guns on our side to fight for us you know like she sees him as an equal whereas i kind of mm-hmm. feel like the jedi here really don't and it, it's interesting because like yeah. It's not like an alien thing cuz you know like with the empire like they don't have really any aliens but it, it is something to do with like the society and I feel like them living in those upper levels of Coruscant kind of mentality. Yeah, I mean Qui-Gon thinks he's better than a lot of people so Oh, 100%. Which is just, you know, these Jedi are supposed to be peacekeepers and they're supposed to help people and I feel like they're picking and choosing you know maybe all the jedi should just be like rail yes <laughs> this is the thing though like they should <laughs> you want to know who's not like other jedi rail rail <laughs> <laughs> obviously these jedi are just very pent up and they don't know what to do anymore and like half of them don't even follow their own rules anyway so just be like rail yeah like master and apprentice really shows that none of them really follow any of the rules but they do it in secret so it's like way worse (laughs) yeah when you see that in dooku jedi lost too Mm -hmm. like the there are all these rules and then they don't follow them and like it's already that like the jedi are corrupt and I feel like they either, like, Yoda and Mace and, like, all them, like, they either know or they're just, like, ignoring it kind of thing. We also get the iconic, there is always a bigger fish, which will always remind me of when we, like, big-brained and was like, there's always a bigger fish. Of course Palpatine would be coming back because he was the bigger fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With Snoke, and we were like, oh, even Solo was like, there's always a bigger fish. And now I'm just like, oh, no. (laughs) But, like, Palpatine didn't need to come back. He didn't. No. But, like, here's the thing, though. Like, with the always there's a bigger fish, you know, like, they kind of set up where, like, it would have made sense. But then they just said, somehow Palpatine has returned. It's just, it makes me tired. It makes me tired. Another thing, um, boats in Star Wars. Tell me about boats in Star Wars, Alex. Well, 
this is like the forefather of boats in Star Wars. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? There's no boats. There's no this? boats in the original trilogy. Except for like the pleasure yacht, but that's not really the like a boat. Pleasure yacht. Oh, oh, oh. But that's like it's like a sand boat. <laughs> it's a sand boat. <laughs> it's not in water. Yes. Yeah. I it's kind of like a yacht. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, um, we get our first first um water vehicle um which is really really cool and it sets up like a whole precedent of boats in in mandalorian so we see in the first episode there's that boat that almost gets eaten by that big dinosaur thing in the water and then there's also the colossus the colossus because like here's the thing i feel like we don't get water a whole lot in star wars or like if we do, um, it's it's not. We got like it, tons it, of water in the Rise of Skywalker, and there was a boat. And there was a boat, but but here's the, the thing: the Rise of Skywalker was such a wet movie, but it was just so the dry. Wrong kind of wet. <laughs> it was the wrong kind of wet. Um, you know, because like with Col- the Colossus, like there's very clearly like this underwater culture and like the ways of the water and like everything and i i feel like you get that again in legends of luke skywalker and then you see it very heavily here with naboo like they have a whole lake country the gungans like live under the water like all this kind of stuff and i think it's kind of untapped for star wars i feel like they could do a whole lot more with this kind of thing and it's sad that you know, we don't have any more resistance because I would have loved to know more about like the history of Castellan and like what's under the surface. But I also hope that we get to explore more of this like with Naboo because it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Um, back on Qui-Gon. So according to Queen's Shadow and like by this point, they've met up with Padme. They've escaped. They're going to Tatooine. Um, We do know from, like, E.K.'s books that Qui-Gon knew that Padme was the queen the whole time. Like, he was not fooled, which, personally, I think is just dumb. But if that's true, it makes it worse how he talks to her, I feel. He he really treats her like a child and, like, really puts her down. And I understand, like, if he knew that she was the queen, like, of course he wouldn't want her to come to Tatooine and, like, all this kind of stuff. But he constantly dismisses her and, like, constantly is like, no, I'm in charge. I'm making the decisions now kind of thing. Do you ever think about what Anakin would have turned out to be like as, like, a young adult if Qui-Gon was his master? And, like, how he would be so disrespectful to Padme. Like, I don't think they would have gotten married. Yeah, no, Qui-Gon does not take his respect women juice, but Obi-Wan does. <laughs> no himbo energy. Yeah, Qui-Gon has zero himbo energy. Very low on the charts. Doesn't even make a blip. Like, it just, it's very, very annoying. And I personally do think he treats Anakin different than he treats Padme. Yeah. And part of that could be because... He senses that Anakin has the Force. But that's still unfair. It's still unfair. And it does make me wonder, like, because a lot of people have theorized that maybe Jar Jar, like, has the Force. You know, like, the whole Sith Jar Jar thing, (laughs) which (laughs) I still think that it could be possible that, like, Jar Jar is, like, Force sensitive. And, like, if that's the case, like, Qui-Gon 100% doesn't care. 
Yeah. And yet he does with this small boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, I'm sensing some, uh, the Jedi Order is the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> they are the embodiment of, the, I said that to my mom. I said Yoda is the embodiment of the patriarchy, and she said, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is true. It's true. It's just every time we get anything with, like, the council or, like, anything, I just, I hate them so much, and I'm sorry, and yeah. fanboys still fight me on this. <laughs> Though, you know, like, I, I find myself enjoying Yoda as a character more than Qui-Gon, because Yoda, it's like, I see your flaws. You, your, your flaws are accounted for, and they're in the text, and they're there, and, 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 and everyone kind of knows them, but Qui-Gon, it's like, you say one bad thing about Qui-Gon, and everyone's attacking you. That's true. Well, <laughs> and part of it, too, is probably that, you know, we only get Qui-Gon for this one movie. Yeah. Like, this is definitely Qui-Gon's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we never get to see what would have happened if he had survived. Like, what would have happened if he had trained Anakin instead? Like, We'll just never know, but Qui-Gon is, he's got so much to learn, and he needs to take his respect women juice, for real. Yeah. Well, I mean, he died, so. Yeah. And here's the thing, like, if Qui-Gon wasn't horrible, he -hmm. would have just married Shmi and adopted Anakin and, like, trained him outside the order i honestly would only be okay with him marrying me if he respected women more yeah i know like i would i would ship him and Shmi more like if he wasn't the worst <laughs> because he is and like i just the whole time like the whole interaction like with all of this like you know, he's not here to free slaves, which is understandable, but when they're, like, sitting around this table and, like, talking about how Anakin and Shmi are slaves and, like, Padme is so, like, shocked, she's like, slavery is outlawed, and they're like, well, the Republic doesn't exist out here, and even Anakin, like, asserting, like, I'm more than a slave, like, I am a person, like, it affects Padme, Mm -hmm. and we will see, you know, in Queen Queen Shadow, Shadow... she goes back, or she sends Save back to try to find Shmi and try to free slaves, but, like, Qui-Gon, it doesn't do anything for him. And this is also in line with Master and Apprentice, when we were encountered slaves, and he was like, well, whatevs. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, is Qui-Gon just doing it all for the glory? Like, what, well, like... I think it's a Jedi problem. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so many times the Jedi, like, won't do things because they're like, we can't be involved in this. But to me, I'm like, you can't be a peacekeeper and then be like, oh, slavery is outlawed except for over there. We're just going to not look over there. Like, that's why people hate you. And it even makes me think of, like, Trace and Rafa. You know, they're down in 1313. Like, they're even on the same planet as the Jedi. And they're like, yeah, they don't care about us. They don't look Mm -hmm. down here. It's a big problem like and and that even results you know in obi-wan later on like going against the jedi to help mandalore and it's i wonder why that started like how they got that into their heads and why they kind of became the way that they are so the next thing we kind of run into is the midichlorians and the conundrum of anakin not having a father what is your opinion on midichlorians I'm kind of indifferent. I don't know. 
<laughs> how 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 do you feel? I think it's interesting. Um, it kind of feels a little bit weird. I mean, it is. The, yeah, I guess <laughs> what what I mean by like it feels weird is that it it almost ties into like legacy stuff. Although we don't know if it's like genetic or anything, but it's kind of like, oh, you don't have any men- metachlorians, so you don't matter, kind of thing. Like, yeah. But, but, I guess if you, mm-hmm. if I, like, in my mind, if I just change metachlorians to like force like affinity, like it doesn't yeah. bother me as much. I don't really know. But is what it that because means. is it because like you're in your head, you're kind of replacing metachlorians to, um, like. You have a powerful bloodline. Um, you're a Palpatine kind of thing. <laughs> kind so- of, because like <laughs> where they get at is that Anakin is so powerful and has so many midichlorians, he was conceived by the Force. So like the midichlorians were like feeling it and they were like, okay, we're going to make a baby. Yeah, <laughs> which and like here's the thing. Like we have talked about how like it was our headcanon for a long time that the Force didn't create Rey, but was like, oh, you know, we're out of balance because of what's happening with Ben Solo. We need to, you know, choose a person to balance him out. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, which is, like, that's the way I see it instead of, like, this virginal mm -hmm. birth. And I always saw it as them, like, choosing, like, the opposite of Ben Solo, like, someone who came from nothing, like, someone who is, like, Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing, not from, like, a legacy family, like the Skywalkers. So she, she automatically, there was this, this girl that was, like, left by, like, her, her parents for, for, um, booze money, even though (laughs) that's not true. I, I really think of it whenever we get into, like, you know, like, the Chosen One or everything, like, I always mm-hmm. thought of it more as, like, a, you know, like, the Force chose you, not the Force created you mm-hmm. to do this thing. Yeah. Um, also because, like, and this is, this is probably gonna be a little bit weird, we don't have to talk about it, but whenever I hear things about, like, a virginal birth, I'm like, well, one, that's not true. And second of all, um, probably means that the mother was gaslighted, and there probably was a father. Yeah. And what made me think of this was Devil all the time when he was like, oh. how could I be a daddy? We've only been with the Lord. Yeah. So it's just, it's a little bit mm-hmm. weird to me. I know that that's like not what this movie is implying. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think George Lucas implied that, but like definitely off of Devil all the time, you, you have yeah. a point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think like George Lucas's point was that the force, you know, brought Anakin into being like the force did create Anakin to be this chosen one to balance the force like I I definitely think that was his intention do I like the way he did it I think he could have probably done it a little bit differently um but they also don't bring up metachlorians after this movie so maybe the force created Anakin to balance out baby Yoda ooh a dyad in the force been born at the same time uh that's questions that we don't know either like we don't know how baby yoda came into be or where his parents like i there's a lot of questions surrounding that yeah as well busy. i don't know how do you here's did he hatch out of an egg are yoda's oh, mammals yeah do, do yoda's hatch eggs yeah, or are they mammals? Do you think that's a question the Mandalorian will answer? 
<laughs> I don't know. Is this an is this a question we want answered? <laughs> or like, and like after there's the egg, like do do they become like tadpoles? Oh my gosh, Alex from Master and Apprentice. Remember the egg? Yeah, they were talking yes. about Baby Yoda. Oh my gosh, Baby Yoda was this ultimate evil. <laughs> Oh my gosh. We don't know where Baby Yoda is going, but that would be amazing. So as they're on Tatooine, they're trying to, you know, fix their ship, blah, blah, blah. Pod racing. This is pod racing. This um, is pod racing. This is pod racing. The thing is, is that Qui-Gon tries to barter to get Shmi and Anakin free. Mm-hmm. And he's not able to get Shmi, and I think that is just absolutely ridiculous. Well, like, Wada was kind of like, okay, we're going to roll this dice, and if it's if it's this color, it's Shmi, and if it's this color, it's Anakin. And obviously the Anakin side is, like, the low um, probability one, but Qui-Gon uses the Force to make sure he gets Anakin. <laughs> Um, yeah, because he wants, I mean, he wants him because he thinks that he's the chosen one. And yeah. he could have taken Shmi, too. Like, he 100% could have. And Yeah, but it's not his problem, apparently. Yeah, that's his, not his problem. Like, he's not there for that. Qui-Gon's like, I'm only here for midichlorians. Nothing else. It does make me wonder, though, because, you know, he goes, Anakin's gonna go into the Jedi, and, like, you can't have any attachments. So, like... I guess it's in Qui-Gon's mind, like, why would he free Shmi if Anakin can't have her anyway? But, mm-hmm. like, what if Anakin, like, grew up knowing that, like, his mother was free and, like, living her own life, like... Like, he he could live more peacefully. Yeah, because, like, later, you know, he does have those visions about her, and, like, obviously anything could happen to her, at, yeah. like, at any time, because she ends up, you know, married and all that. I don't really know how that happens. But, you know, he might have had of more peace of mind i think he still would have been like a scared little boy you know being taken away from his mother but mm-hmm. knowing that she wasn't a slave anymore might have you know changed things a little bit mm-hmm. but that's not qui-gon's problem what do you think of shmi in this movie i think she's just a wonderful mother and like when it when it comes to mothers in star wars she's not talked about enough um the actress does a really really great job portraying her too Mm-hmm. Um, she she is like the mother. Mm-hmm. I love the way she like I love like the way her and Anakin interact because she it's so clear in like everything she says and everything that she does that she loves Anakin so yeah. much. And it, I I don't think it's talked enough enough about like the like just the the on screen like relationship between the two of them like how real it feels and mm-hmm. like how both of them have such good like mother-son dynamic like it just Mm -hmm. it it feels so real it feels very organic and it it Mm -hmm. feels very unconditional which is something that we've talked about a couple of times like this unconditional Unconditional love love in star Star wars Wars. Mm. yes (laughs) i i really feel like shmi like she knows Anakin obviously better than anybody. Like she is his mother, but like she says things like you know he knows nothing of greed. Um, you you know brought hope to those who have none. Like she truly sees like the best in Anakin. Like wants the best for him. And I was kind of like struck by the scene where 
she lets him go and like he goes to be a Jedi because you can tell that like her heart is leaving. Mm-hmm. Like Anakin is her heart and be she's watching and him leave. Back. Oh man. Oh, That's that was so good. That's so good. And like you can put some meaning into that as that being like he was afraid and he looked back and he came for her. But I think, you know, she's just trying to say like you like don't worry about me like you have to go and like live your life she truly is like the ultimate you know sacrificing mother of star wars and it's 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 so crazy because i want to bring this into the vader comics and how the vader the new vader run is all about him looking back it is that's all he does it's really interesting because, like, he very much, when he's Vader, lives in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's always, you know, burning on Mustafar, you know, and he, he's haunted by the fact that he saw his mother die and he lost Padme. His son rejected him. It's so heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking. There are scenes, like, it shows this a lot, like, when Luke fell down the shaft. And I love that early on, it not only shows Luke falling, but then he also sees it as Padme falling, and he sees it as Shmi falling. And I was like, yes, Shmi representation. In the newest one, it's Vader falling. And you see him at different points in his life falling. Mm-hmm. You That's even see really him, good. like, as this little boy falling. And I know that, like, this particular scene is with where that poster comes in where like his shadow looks like vader and it's so clear that like this is the moment like this is the moment that like where the wound was made it was taking anakin away from shmi like separating them and then he was always worried about her he was always thinking about her and he was never allowed to go back and, you know, like, reconcile any of it. Like, I, I was hoping we were going to get that with Ben Solo because I feel like a similar wound was dealt, you know? Mm-hmm. I was hoping for that reconciliation with the mother, like we all were. Um, and it, I still think that that's why Star Wars, to me, doesn't feel done because the wheel just keeps turning. Like, yeah. we, haven't, we haven't resolved it anything. It didn't actually like reach a whole turn on like that journey on the heroine's journey it doesn't yeah. make it because it turns into the monomyth instead yeah it just it didn't quite hit it and this gets into again like the the choice to show anakin as this little boy instead of you know like older or you know starting this story when he was already a jedi or anything like it they chose to start this story when Anakin is this little boy who is a slave, he loves his mother, he dreams of becoming a Jedi and coming and, like, freeing all the slaves. He wants to see the stars. He's just so good. He's Goodness. so, so good. Like, he is, like, so, so good. And they take him away from his mother. And, like, I think it would be different if it was, like, just, you know, farm boy be like, going away from home like we see with Luke. Whereas, you know, Anakin knows that, like, his mom is still a slave and, like, has to stay here. Yeah. Like, she can't leave with him. Well, it's different. But the, the thing is, is 
is Luke's story is a coming of age story and coming of age is all about leaving the nest about finding yourself but Anakin in the Phantom Menace is not at that point in his life yet so that's why it just it doesn't work mm-hmm. yeah he was taken away too soon before mm-hmm. he could even want to strike out on his own yeah so he's been on his own for a while and like I think there is something to be said, like, I've had people talk about how Qui-Gon was, like, the father figure to Anakin, or, Mm -hmm. like, he was starting to be, and I definitely think you can see that, like, Anakin does kind of, like, look up to him, so, like, not only was he taken away from his mother, then he loses Qui-Gon, too, Mm -hmm. and now he is in a completely foreign place with no allies, like, he has Obi-Wan, but... You know, how close is he to Obi-Wan at this point? Well, you, know? you, you see at the, um, what book is it? Is it the End of Queen's Shadow? No. Uh, End of Master and Apprentice. There's a time jump. And you kind of see Obi-Wan at, it's a Qui-Gon's funeral, I think, at the end of that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and him kind of processing the fact that, like, he has to take responsibility to take care of Anakin now and now and it wasn't ever something that he would have taken upon himself no it's definitely not something he wanted like I I think that if like Qui-Gon had lived and like trained Anakin like I do think that Obi-Wan and Anakin like would have become friends but I think now you know like he just lost a master now has a child you know kind of thing yeah like he was forced into this responsibility role just how Anakin was forced to be on his own. Yeah, it's kind of like Anakin was robbed of, of some of his childhood, and um, Obi-Wan was robbed of, like, his young adult years. Yeah, because he was, you know, he just became, like, a knight, like, and I'm sure... Like, he was, sure... like, he's 18, I think, at that point. No. No? <laughs> no oh, no, he's 18 with Satine. 18 with Satine. <laughs> I know, I always Why think... Why is he always seem he's like, so young? I always think he's, like, 19 in this movie. No, no, how not... old is he? How old is he? He's, like, 27. Okay. <laughs> I know, so you but don't like, why make is any he sense. Still, why, like, why isn't he taking his trials yet? Yeah, I know, it, it's so <laughs> stupid. Like, I don't understand why the... Master and oh, Apprentice yeah. is, like, 10 well, years. Well, I mean, like, they kind of, like, talk about it in Master and Apprentice, how, like, they won't take his training wheels off, but then, like, 10 years later, he still has his training wheels on. Yeah, no, the time does not make any sense. Like, okay. I, I don't understand why he's not, like, 19 in this movie. Like, I don't understand. Sure? Yeah, I, yeah, you're sure? Yeah, I thought that, and you brought it oh, up. Oh, no. <laughs> But um, I think what you're saying still stands in that, like, when you become a knight, like, you don't take an apprentice yeah, right away. Yeah, you, you go be, like, rail, and you you drink, <laughs> and you sleep around, and you do that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, it, it's, you know, you've graduated. Like, you are on yeah. your own now. You're not a master yet, mm-hmm. but you have some more independence. And that definitely was robbed for Obi-Wan. Yeah. And... I I do wonder if, like, maybe there was ever any resentment, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I lost my master and I got you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very, it's very, very interesting. Like, Obi-Wan is, like, our favorite. (laughs) I have so many questions about Obi-Wan. Like, like, (laughs) us Obi-Wan stance, look at us. I know, look (laughs) at us. (laughs) Um, 
And I just, like, I need this a teen story more than anything. I just... Anything. You know, me thinking about Obi-Wan taking in Anakin, like, this child, just makes me think of uh, the son he never got to see, and that is quirky. Quirky. (laughs) Bring it back to Tom Holland, quirky. Yeah, bring it all the way back. See, it's all connected. It's all connected. Um... No, I was going to say, like, I highly doubt this is going to happen because Star Wars is always disappointing. (laughs) But um, how cool would it be in the Kenobi show to be getting, like, flashbacks to Satine? That would be amazing. Yeah. I just, I, we're going to talk about her a little bit later, but, like, I, there's a lot of angst. And I think that does play into probably where Obi-Wan's headspace is at. Um, during that time. Mm -hmm. So, to kind of bring it back to Anakin becoming a Jedi, I was really, really focused in on what the Jedi were saying when he was taken before them. Because, like, normally I always think about how they don't want to train him because he's too old. But what's interesting is that Yoda says that they fear what will happen if they take him in because of the boy's fear and you know fear leads the dark side and it's like well you're the one that's afraid Mm -hmm. like they're afraid of anakin because he's too old because he already has these attachments blah 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 and because they're afraid of him i think they kind of keep him at a distance and they don't pay attention to what it is that they that he needs they kind of just treat him as if he's any other youngling and that does result in him, like, going berserk. Like, it, it does lead to the dark side. But I don't yeah. think it was Anakin's fear that led them there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yoda said it. He said, I fear. And I'm like, well, you know where fear gets you, Mr. Old Green Man. <laughs> Mr. Patriarchy. <laughs> Mr. Patriarchy. He also says that they sent a virgence around the boy. A virgins in the force. He said and, one. Yeah. And I'm like, that's an interesting choice of words. Because, like, we know that he's mm-hmm. the chosen one. Like, we know it's going to happen. And, like, I do think that so many things were in the balance here. And it does kind of yeah. come down to these choices. Like, they didn't free Shmi. They didn't want to take Anakin in. They, you know, there is that kind of resentment with him. Like, it's all these choices that lead to what happened to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Not that he's a passive person in all of this, but it's a lot of these types of choices that happened, like, right now. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> then we get into the battle, um, which I, so, like, normally I don't like fight scenes, but I do like that, like, this is when we get so much Padme. We get a lot of Padme in this mm-hmm. battle scene. And her little um, outfit with her gun. I love that yes, outfit. Yes, uh, it's such a good outfit. And then also you put in here, um, the Phantom Menace battle walked so Infinity War could run. Well, like, okay, picture this Naboo, like, the battlegrounds with all the Gungans. Like, did that, and then they put up the whole force field. Like, did that not feel like the scene in Wakanda? It did. It 100% yeah. did. Like, Infinity also, War, cite your references. The the animation, like, the field that they're on, yeah. looks like um, Barbie and the Nutcracker. What? It, <laughs> what? 
there's a scene in Barbie and the Nutcracker where they're running from this like rock monster. <laughs> I swear to God, it's the same background. Wait, what year was Barbie? <laughs> like 2000. So, like, really, the Phantom Menace really like walked so a lot of things could run. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time I see it, that that like Windows Vista background, it's just it takes you back to Barbie in the early days. <laughs> it's just oh my gosh i do think that the battle scene is like very long um um i guess it wasn't as long as um breaking dawn part two <laughs> nothing will ever be as ri- well i i say this but nothing will ever be as ridiculous as breaking dawn part two <laughs> it's just i don't know it's it's interesting i do like though that I do like the tie-ins that we kind of get with, like, Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril, like, a little bit, because eh. we do get so many of the handmaidens, the par- but I still peril. feel, peril I still feel like need- Peril doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't need to exist. Peril is just Phantom Menace with gaping holes in it, so. But kind of the last little bit in this movie that I wanted to talk about was Darth Maul. Um, yeah. Oh, here's the He's funny so thing. He's so short. Yes. We just, <laughs> we realized that Darth Maul is actually very short. <laughs> and I'm always thrown off because I'm so used to seeing him in the Clone Wars and Rebels and he's so tall. I'm like, wow, yeah. that's one tall man. And yeah. then you're like, wait, when he lost his bottom half, he made himself taller. Yes. Because he's, he's shorter than Qui-Gon. And yeah. he's also not very wide. No. He's like he he's does he's, small. he's a small bean, which is just very funny. Um but so he kills Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan has a very interesting, intense reaction. Um he starts fighting and his fighting is definitely a lot more aggressive than it had been yeah. beforehand. And he kills Maul. Well, he doesn't kill Maul. Well, he thought he killed Maul. Yeah. And at this point, we think he killed Maul. <laughs> he cut him in half, which mm-hmm. is pretty extreme. Um, in most circumstances, I feel like that would be dying. But Maul is a hard knows, one like, to kill. Like, here's the thing. Like, how's a Zabrax, like, system? Like, are they, like, different than humans? So, like, maybe they can kind of, like, stop the bleeding faster like, they don't bleed out the same as humans. So maybe, like, Obi-Wan just needed to do more research in, like, biology of Are you Zabrax. saying that Zabrax are, like, starfish? Wait, is that what starfish do? Like, you can cut Well, them. starfish, yeah, you can cut off bits of starfish and they'll just grow back. Yeah. Oh, um, like, but also, like, like a salamander or whatever. Yeah, like a tail. Yeah. But, like, with, with plants, when you wound a plant, um, the cells de-differentiate and they close it up in a callus so that they don't lose anything that's inside um which is the problem with people we can't close up like a callus so you lose a lot of blood and then once it's sorted itself out it decides that its cells are either going to become like a stem or its cells are going to become like a root and so mm-hmm. maybe the bracts so, are plants so yeah that's that's what i'm wondering maybe so obi-wan should have done more research so we know this um but this to me seems very like dark side 
Yeah. And I don't feel like that's talked about. But but we've, I think we've discussed Obi-Wan reaching into the dark side before. It's happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it happens with, it happens with Satine. It happens in when Satine dies. Yeah. In Clone Wars. Um, but, like, this was just so interesting to me because it felt very dark and it made me wonder, you know, like, at this point in Obi-Wan's life, like, and knowing how the Jedi are, like, has he killed people before? Is this, like, the first time that's happened? He doesn't kill anyone in um, Master and Apprentice. I don't think so. Mm. I love I don't Dark. It, e- I, I love Dark Obi Wan. Oh, I, I do love too. Dark Obi Wan so much. So I 100 percent do too. Like <laughs> I, I don't think it's the Jedi way to kill people, right? No. Yeah, like but that might they're, be. They're doing it in the prequels in the Clone Wars. Yeah, they're doing it. Well, they kill a lot of robots True. in the Clone Wars. But and then see, like, I haven't. They hire haven't seen all the Clone Wars, but, so. Like, but then they hire Voss to assassinate Count Dooku. Which, re- remember though, like, that assassination was, like, so against, like, what Jedi yeah. normally do. To the point where, mm-hmm. like, Voss had to, like, tap into the dark side. So, like, yeah. I feel like killing and murdering is, like, very not the Jedi. And also, like, he kills Maul, like, straight up for revenge. Like, it's so, yeah. like, you cut down my master, I kill you here. Like, rather than and... capture him, he oh, yeah. killed him. Like, he could have subdued him and taken him back or anything, like, and he did not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, which, to me, tells me, you know, like, Obi-Wan is still very young, and he still has a lot to learn, and I think this is very reminiscent of Anakin, to me. Mm-hmm. He was very attached to Qui-Gon. Like, obviously, he had an attachment to him, and really was grieving when this happened right in front of him. And it's, you know, foreshadowing to Dark Obi-Wan later, which I love. <laughs> but the other thing with it is, so he kills Maul for Qui-Gon. And then later, um, we see Maul kill Satine. And he does not kill Maul because of that. Um, it's really cool how it's shown in the stories of Light and Dark. They really go into it there. And then the last time he encounters Maul is on Tatooine and he kills him to save Luke. Mm-hmm. So, so there's you were, three times. Yeah, you were saying that at one time he kills to save a father, then to save a lover, or not not save, but uh, like avenge, basically. And then lastly, as a father. Yeah. It's it's interesting, yeah. Like, he, he kills because he saw his father die, and then he doesn't kill Maul for Satine. And he says that it's because, like, Satine wouldn't, wouldn't have wanted it. Although, I don't think Qui-Gon would have wanted it either, but, but I don't know. he was know. younger. He was a lot younger. If, if, um, if he was in the same situation with Satine at that age, he would have he killed. killed him. Yeah. 100%. I think... Um, we see later that, like, Obi-Wan really does become, like, the perfect Jedi, I feel like. Like, the perfect embodiment of the Jedi. Um, and that's probably where he's at when Satine dies. And then when he kills Maul for the last time, the in quotations, the last time, who knows. Um, he's much older, and, you know, he's witnessed Anakin's death, the, you know, the big failure of the Republic and the rise of the Empire and he's at a completely different place again and 
when it came to Maul possibly killing or finding out about, like, the galaxy's last hope, he kills him to protect Luke. It's just, it's so, I love that so much. It's Mm -hmm. so, it speaks so much to, like, how Obi-Wan changes and adapts. And it makes me very interested, again, to see, like, where he's going to be in the Obi-Wan series. Because I want some high-level angst. So much angst. I want it. (laughs) I want it. I just, I think that would be really cool. And, like, I not that we're going to see him encounter Maul at that point. Well, unless but... there's flashbacks. Like, because here's the thing. He's going to be doing a ton of reflecting in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I, I even brought up the Satine flashback. Though, like I said, Star Wars is disappointing, so it probably won't happen. Yeah. But there we is... could see Maul. In um, A New Hope, from a certain point of view... He encounters Qui-Gon's Force Ghost. Mm-hmm. So, I can't remember if that was, like, the first time, although they could always retcon it, because um, it's, like, 20 years yeah. that he's going to spend on Tatooine, and we don't know, we know that the series is only going to be, like, six episodes, um, but we don't know if it's going to be, like, that whole expanse of time or just part of it, yeah. so that'll that would be interesting, like... You know, he even encounters Qui-Gon on Mortis, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So clearly he's still dealing with something from losing his master. And once again, like that plays into the way Anakin's going to turn out, the way their relationship is going to go. And, you know, you can't skip Phantom Menace. It adds, it all starts here. Mm-hmm. It all of these moments, like it's the moment. Like this is these are the points that you need for everything else that's gonna happen. No, I better not see all over Twitter like people saying, Oh, Liam Neeson reported to be in the Kenobi show. I'm gonna be really I'm upset. gonna be so so done with all the Mandalorian, like reportedly <laughs> this actor <laughs> is playing this in the Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm already over some of those spoilers. If it was, like, Liam Neeson, Force Ghost, it'd be interesting. But, like, it all... I'd rather see Hayden. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm gonna die if that happens. But how would we see Hayden? Well, flashbacks. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Although, I'm very fond of the theory that he's being haunted by, like, Anakin's ghost. So, like, New Moon... Yeah, <laughs> exactly, New Moon. <laughs> so we've come to the end of the film. Um, everything is happy, la la la. Let's throw the ball into the sky. Things it's so are happy. Go great. It so it's happy. very happy. It's a very happy ending. Like it doesn't feel ominous at all. Like it feels the end very of Trost hopeful. feels so much more ominous. Yeah, <laughs> like there is. There's no like unsettling feeling that like oh this kid's gonna become vader or like anything like that it it feels like it comes to a resolution and it's happy and it's hopeful and like we're gonna skip what like 10 years before we get to see pick it back up and see them Mm -hmm. again yeah i would be very interested in like a young padawan anakin something yeah it it, it would probably be a lot of um obi-wan just getting annoyed with him yeah. Well, you know how, like, you know, J- Dooku Jedi Lost was, like, you know, Hogwarts, but it's Jedi. Like, yeah. that would be an interesting thing to do with Anakin. Yeah, like, 
I, I, I'm wondering, like, does Anakin get along with any of the other Padawans, like, his age? Because, like, we see Dooku, he's, like, he's, like, super popular and he has friends and, like, but would Anakin? The Anakin that we see in the Clone Wars makes me think, yes, but I wonder if not at first. Yeah, because all these kids are already attached to each other and then they get an, a new kid added in later on. Yeah, he's 100% an outsider. Because, again, like, he, he's older, you know, he hasn't, he didn't grow up with these kids. Like, all these kids and the Jedi grew up together. So, I'd be interested to see that. I think it'd be really cool. And it's an interesting look at where Obi-Wan's at. Because, like, as we talked about, like, Obi-Wan's still learning, too. He's not going to become the Jedi that we see later for a little while. So, that'd be really cool. So, after this movie, how do we feel going into Attack of the Clones. Like, where, wh- how do you, like, where we finish this movie, it's primed us up to see Attack of the Clones. Like, what are your thoughts? What are you, how are you feeling? Good. I'm so Good. excited. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I have, and, like, Attack of the Clones, I think, is the only saga film I've watched since seeing The Rise of Skywalker. I think you're right. No, we watched Solo together. That's no, not no, a saga no, film. Saga. I yeah. watched Attack of the Clones because it is just, it is a comfort movie for me. It is mm. so comforting. It's, I think it's just really good. It's just, <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I think like it's interesting. everything on Naboo. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we talked about this before we started recording. Like, a book of Anakin and Padme, like, on Naboo, I want it yeah, so bad. Yeah, from Padme's perspective. Yes. Not by E.K. Johnson. Like, uh, Aren't there um, deleted scenes of, like, Anakin meeting her family? Yeah. Like, wait, you could throw that in. Isn't that in? Is that Revenge of the Sith, though? Those scenes? No. Okay. I think it's, um, it's either from, like, the Attack of the Clones novel or it was, like, deleted scenes from, like, Attack of the Clones. I think. Mm. I could be completely wrong. It could be Revenge of the Sith. I love Anakin and Padme, Hayden and and, uh, Natalie. So great. (laughs) It's an interesting relationship, which we didn't talk about um, Padme and Anakin really in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because there's not really much to it. Like, I think, here's kind of what I think. I think she becomes the only familiar thing, you know? Like, um, obviously he doesn't see her after this, but he became attached to her pretty quickly. And then his mother died, and then his, like, newfound father died, and now he's just, like, left with all of this. So I definitely think that in his time apart from Padme, he probably did start to create, like, these complexes and, like, these expectations, like, around her, for sure. Oh, do you remember that ele- – is it the elevator scene with Obi-Wan at the beginning yes. of Attack of the Clones? Like, we'll talk about it, but yeah. Yeah, no, he definitely <laughs> has been thinking about Padme, like, every single day. And I definitely think that has to do with, like, all of the stuff that happened to him right now. And – she was just this, you know, beautiful girl, and it was probably very comforting to, like, have these, so, like, you know... did he, like, he never had, like, a crush on any of, like, the the other kids, like, the other kids at, at the temple. Like, he's I don't know. just... Like, he's been thinking about Padme. Supreme himbo. <laughs> just pining after Padme at the temple. <laughs> That is the cutest thing. That does make me wonder, though. It's like, do Jedi, like, date? 
No, they're not allowed. I know, but, well, they're not allowed, but they're, like, preteens. Like, oh, well, like, remember when Adam asked Ryan if if Ben ever kissed anyone, <laughs> and he said, oh, maybe they played spin, spin the bottle yeah, at the see, temple. Exactly. I, you, you can't tell me that, like, Jedi don't play, like, seven minutes in heaven. Like, they're 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like, I feel like they would, like, go to the library for, for that kind of thing, and, like, um... Jocasta is just like, you little kids, get out of here. Be quiet. Oh <laughs> Jocasta is like not putting up with any of this. Yeah. Yeah. So like, had Anakin ever kissed anybody? Was it Padme his first kiss? Oh my gosh. I think that's that's a question we have to revisit next episode while we're Yeah, about. 100%. I, I definitely. I've, like, I have never thought about this because like, we think about things like this all the time with the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I have never really thought about it for Anakin, and it's interesting. It's very interesting. I have many questions because we all, I we know that Anakin is not Padme's first kiss. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> um, I am very interested in that. I would love to know anybody else's thoughts and theories. Um, was Padme Anakin's first kiss? Do they play Seven Minutes of in, in Heaven at the Jedi Academy? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, please let us know. <laughs> was the teen Obi Wan's first kiss? Oh, hundred yeah. percent. I feel like yeah. I feel like Obi Wan probably like hasn't didn't kissed really anyone think... since. Yeah, hasn't kissed first no. and only. <laughs> oh my gosh! So that does do it for our Phantom Menace um, rewatch. Next time we will be covering Attack of the Clones. We are both very excited for that. I hope you guys are excited as well. Please let us know any of your thoughts, theories, headcanons. We will read them off next time. Um, like we said at the top of the show, if you want to be part of Lipstick and Lightsabers, you can send in your Star Wars story to us. We would love to feature you on the show. If you want to follow us, you can find us at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.